Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. I want to start today by a story of uh, what happens when I was uh, younger. I just left home and I had grown up in this small community town called Thames with a population of about 5,000. And I had before Thames, I'd grown up on a dairy farm. So I was used to a very tight knit small community. And then when I got to the age of 18, it came time to move out of Thames and move to the big city of Auckland, which is hour and a half out of Thames. And it was this big move that I had to make to study. And it was a big deal because I was leaving my home, my family that I was incredibly close to. And mum and dad, my like I said last night, my three brothers and my sister. And it was this incredibly massive move. And I moved into this Christian home hostel with about 30 other young people. And I remember that first weekend being absolutely petrified and feeling like a complete outsider. Have you ever had that feeling before? Like you're just so like a duck out of water in this foreign territory, having no idea what I was doing. And so I started to meet people that weekend. And as I met people, uh, somebody said to me, hey, we're we're about to go out to a club tonight. You know, would you like to come clubbing with us? And I had no idea really what clubbing was whatsoever. But, you know, they were like, you know what, we're going dancing. And I'm like, well, I've got my two-step that I can fall back on. So we should be good. So I'm like, I'm like kind of get myself pumped up to go out, you know, dancing. And I get my like fluoro flared pants out which were big back then, I promise you. And I get them out and I'm like checking myself out in the mirror. I'm like, all I got is this one dance move, nothing else, but it's going to be my move, baby. And I'm getting pumped up about this night and it comes to to the time we're about to go out. And so I'm with about six other people that I've only just met that day. And we get into this car and we head out into the, the middle of Auckland City and We're going to this place. We're going to go dancing. It takes us ages to get us a park. We finally get a park. And then we go to this back of this massive big line, this queue. And as we're queuing up, we're kind of chatting to each other, getting to know each other a little bit. And and then as we're waiting, I'm I'm nervous as. And as we kind of, the line gets shorter, I can see the end of the line that there's somebody there uh, checking everybody as they go in. And I turn to the person that was next to him. I'm like, oh, what's that guy doing? And, And she turns to me, she's like, oh, well, he's checking everyone's ID. And my stomach just dropped because I had not brought my ID. I had no idea to get into a club you needed ID. I just thought, I was a country girl. I thought everyone just trusted each other about their ages. And so my stomach just drops and I, I turned to the girl that was next to me and I almost whispered, I, I didn't bring ID. And she turns to me and she's like, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Thames. All we have is a pub called the Holy Cow. That's it. And... She said to the rest of the group, look, she hasn't got her ID. So the entire group had to be turned turned around, turned away. We got back into the car and then just drove home and watched a movie. And I was that person that got us turned away. I'm actually quite stoked now. That's my claim to fame because when we went clubbing since, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is nothing anyway. I'd prefer to watch a movie at home with mum and dad. 
it wasn't anything to rave about. But I just remember that feeling of being just so, so much of an outsider, feeling so out of my depth, feeling like a duck out of water, like a foreigner in a strange land. And the amazing thing is that the Bible actually says the same about us. That when we live in this world, we're meant to have that same kind of feeling. Like we are foreigners in a strange land. You know, when God does something new in us, when He changes us, when He grows us, when we step into a new authority in Him, we're not like others. When we have the living God on the inside of us, there should be something different about our lives. When there should be something different that attracts us to people that, that says, hey, we're foreigners here in a strange land. I love what Hebrews 11, verse 13 to 14 says, all these people, talking about the heroes of the faith, were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. So I love that, that God has called us to live as foreigners and strangers in this world that we live in. I say to our kids all the time, get used to being different. Now, when they complain to me about stuff. My friends do that. I can't do that. I want to watch this. My friends watch this. My friends get to do this. I'm like, get used to it, buddy, because you are going to be different. Your entire life, you are going to be different. You are called to be a leader, not a follower. You are called to be the head, not the tail. And we're going to get used to being different. Come on, we're, we're called to live lives, as Kath was, Pastor Kath was speaking before, that are holy, that are different, that are in another place, another level. I love what one Peter 2 verse 10 to 12 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles again to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Come on, that we would abstain from sinful desires, that we're called to live holy lives. And like we've heard already, we don't do that because of our strength. We do that because the living God is on the inside of us. And as we surrender to Him and say, God, I need you. Every day I need you. I cannot do this without you. And His power fills us to make sure that we're enabled to live as He's called us to live, that we don't have to fight our battles on our own. I love what 1 Peter 1 verse 16 to 18 says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time again as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect." Come on, there's something in us that we're meant to live in the world that we're, we live in today with this reverent fear, with the fact that we are called to more. We're not called to live for material possessions, for riches of this world. No, we're called to live for more. I love that. The challenge in it all, though, is though we're called to live different, we are not called to live separate from the world. We are not called to live in our isolated little bubble, doing our Christian thing. We're called to live in the world. Jesus puts it like this in His last message to His disciples. And as He's praying to the Father, He says, I've given them your world and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer 
and this is a prayer for us too, that He prays for us, is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. For they are not of the world, even as I am not of it. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. I love that. We are sent into the world. We are called to be in the world but not of the world. And that I think is one of the greatest challenges in our Christian life, being in the world, but not of the world. Come on, having reflecting Jesus in everything that we do, but not getting isolated in our Christianity, living ourselves, putting ourselves out there. I love what it says in Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything to be th- except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Mom, we are called to live different. We're called to live with something tangibly different about our lives. But I think, again, one of the greatest challenges is that we can get so comfortable in living in this world that we live in, so comfy with what we want to do, so comfy with our agenda, so comfy living for our needs and our wants, that we lose the point of it all, that we lose the why behind it all. You know, us coming to this conference today and having an incredible moment in God's presence and last night and God filling us with His love and His freedom and His goodness, there's a greater purpose behind it all. It's not just for our freedom. It's so that we would reflect and reveal who Jesus is to others around us. There is a greater purpose behind it all. Come on, we can't get so comfortable in the world that we live in that we lose our effectiveness in it. And I really want to, I'm going to bring a challenging message today because it challenges me too. Man, I'm speaking to myself today. Every word that I say is just as much to me. But have we got so familiar to doing what we want to do that we've got lost God's will in it all? And I was so challenged with this about seven years ago when God called us to move to Melbourne. And when He called us to move to Melbourne, we were very comfortable in New Zealand. We were doing a lot for God's kingdom. We were young adult pastors. We were looking after one of our campuses in Auckland. We've got three different campuses. We were looking after our North Shore campus. I was looking after the women's ministry. We were looking after a a youth conference that had over 3,000 young people part of it. We were doing all these things. Craig was overseeing community, involved in all these things. We had just brought our first home, which is an absolute miracle story. The fact that we got this home, it was my dream home, this beautiful little bungalow. It was in the perfect place. We wanted to send our kids to school. Our son Zion was four years old at the time and our daughter Hope was just 18 months. And we're in this place where we were just happy. Again, I was incredibly close to my parents and my brothers. They were all in Auckland. We were all incredibly close. So I was just in this good place, loving Jesus, serving Him. And then He asked us, and He's never spoken to us as clearly as He did about moving to Melbourne. And I remember that decision, like, just almost tearing me apart. Like, God, why would you ask so much of us? Like, the week we signed for our house was the week that we had the chat with Pastor Paul about moving to Melbourne. It's like, God, why? Like, why would you do that? 
And I remember being on an altar call and just sobbing my heart out before God and going, God, why would you ask that of us? Why would you ask such a sacrifice? Why would you do that? And I remember having this feeling like God was just going to come around me like this loving Father and just wrap His arms around me and say, it's going to be okay. You know, I wouldn't ask you to do something that I knew it wouldn't be the best for you. And I knew all that truth. But instead of that, I felt God come alongside me and say, Nadia, I'm not interested in your comfort. I'm interested in your obedience. Will you obey me? Because in your obedience, on the other side of your obedience is people. And I had to get to this place again where Jesus, it is not my will, but it is your will. Surrender my life afresh and just say, at the end of the day, it all comes back to people obeying you, your will, leaning into you. And I just want to live a life where people are influenced because of you. And this whole sense of surrender, this whole sense of, God, I'm going to get out of this comfortable zone that I found myself in, and I'm going to be obedient to you. So what I want to talk about today is the bubble effect, a message called the bubble effect. And the bubble effect, when I looked it up in the dictionary, it's actually called this. It's where you are content in your own world, impervious, unaffected by what is on the outside of it. I'm going to read this again. The bubble effect is where you are content in your own world, impervious, unaffected by what is on the outside of it. And that challenge is one of the greatest challenges that we have as Christians. We can so easily get into our little comfortable bubble. Like we know Jesus and we go to church and we go to our group and we've got our girlfriends around us and we all encourage each other and we love each other and we need all those things, 100%, all those things are absolutely incredible. But it can cause us to get into this bubble where we are just unaffected by the world around us. We are unaffected by the around us that are going to a lost eternity. Because I want to encourage us today, this isn't a game that we're playing. Come on, we're not just coming to a conference to feel good about ourselves and pat each other on the back and say, girlfriend, you are so awesome. No, we are here because there is a heaven and there is a hell. There is an eternity at stake and people all around us need Jesus as their hope. It is not a game that we are playing. This is not just a good feeling that we have. No people's lives are at stake. But see, what I find I do all the time is I get in this bubble. If I can have my illustration come out today and the people involved in helping with it, that would be awesome. Because I'm going to kind of use this illustration to, to help us unwrap how we can end up living our lives today. See, what happens, if you guys can help me get into this, is we end up, living in this bubble. We wake up in the morning and we're like, all right, what's my agenda today? What do I want to do today? What, what's, what's on my radar? There are bills to pay. There's a grocery shopping that needs to be done. There's the work deadlines that need to be taken care of. There's the bills to play. There's the, the, the gym I need to go to. There's all my plans about the day. And so we set off about our day doing our plans. You know, we go to the gym and at the gym, we're just all about working our calories. Like we're all about getting into the burn, all about developing our muscles. I'm not speaking about myself personally right now. But I'm just saying that some of us may do this. And at the gym, we find that, you know, that person, that instructor... 
that was there. You know, God put them in our way for us to influence and to reach and to love. Yet we're just in our bubble. And so we just dismiss them because we know we're in our bubble of needing to burn our calories and needing to do our thing. And so we dismiss the people that God has put all around us. And then we go about a rest of the day and, you know, we go to work and we've got all these deadlines to meet and the emails to get done and the task list to get done. Again, we dismiss all the people around us because we're just so consumed with what we need to do through the day and, you know, feeling good about our achievements and our purpose and our value and, you know, and then we we go, we finish work and, you know, we might, might, might go to lunch with a friend and a group of people and kind of at lunch we're just so busy checking out our social media feed and checking our phone that we don't really connect with those that we go to lunch with. And, and so again, we just bang into people and, you know, then after work we might go to the supermarket and go grocery shopping and, you know, again, we're just all about getting the task done of the grocery shopping because who likes grocery shopping? Nobody. So we just want to get out of there. And again, we miss the person that is behind the checkout, the person that God has placed in our way to love and to reach. And then again, we might go to parent-teacher interviews. And at the parent-teacher interviews, we're like, we're chatting to our teacher all about our child and we want to make sure our child is progressing the best and we want to make sure that everything's been done for our child and we kind of just want to bring up a few issues that we're, we're kind of feeling. And again, we miss the person that is the teacher. And... And we're just all about going around in our little bubble, just not realising the people that God's placed in our way to influence. We're just impervious to the world that's around us because I'm just in my little bubble doing my thing. You know, we go home, we're just so exhausted from the day and holding this bubble up. We watch TV maybe and God might prompt us about getting in contact with somebody. But like, I'll just do it tomorrow because I'm so tired right now. And again, we just get caught up in our bubble and we miss all the people around us that God wants us to reach. We miss the point of it all. Our lives are not about our agenda. They're not about what we want to do with our lives. They're not about our will, our needs, our wants. Our life is about reaching people. Our work is about the people that are there. Our family, it's about the people. Our school environment that we go on to, kids drop off, pick up, teachers, it's about the people that are there. Everything comes back to people. Why don't we give these guys a hand and if you can help me get out of this bubble, that would be awesome. It's a very heavy bubble. Thanks. Oh my gosh, I need to go to the gym more. Thank you guys. Is this making sense though? We have got to get out of the bubble. We can be so engrossed in our world that we miss the world all around us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 to 21, it says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. How incredible, just take a moment on that passage. How incredible is that? That God trusts us to be his ambassadors. Like that freaks me out. Like God could appear in an instant and reveal to the entire world who he really is. But instead he trusts us to reveal his character, 
He trusts us to share His message. And we don't need to take that as something heavy, but we need to take it with the seriousness that it has. That is our number one responsibility to reveal to the world around us who our God is. So I just want to look at two things this morning. I look at two things about bursting the bubble. Bursting the bubble. And the first one is be intentional in being present. Be intentional, thank you, in being present so we can get out of this bubble. The example of Jesus, man, he was an incredible example of this. Wherever he went, he was present in the moment. No matter what he was doing, he took time for people. He took time for the one. He took time to minister to people. He took time to love people. When he met the woman at the well, he was hungry, tired, thirsty, but he put it all aside to speak with and value that woman. Come on, when he healed the blind men, he was on his way to a certain destination, the Bible said, but he put his plans to the side and he healed the blind men. We encountered Zacchaeus, the Bible says he was just passing through that town, town, but he changed his plan so he could stay with Zacchaeus and it brought redemption to many. When he healed the woman with the issue of blood, he was caught in a crisis of a woman dying, but despite the crisis and the demands of all the people, he healed the woman with the issue of blood and then saw the greater miracle of the girl being raised from the dead. Come on, and whatever Jesus did, whether he was tired, whether he was hungry, whether he was thirsty, whether he wasn't on his way somewhere where he already had plans, he stopped what he was doing and he addressed the need in people. He met people. He was present in a moment. But I don't know about you, but I know in my life, my demands are often what lead me way more than being present with people. I can be hungry and hangry. And when I am those things, it's like, I do not want to talk to people. I do not have the time of day for people. And we can so be like that in our lives. We can so be driven by our demands rather than what God is wanting to do in a moment, rather than being present in a moment and allowing Jesus to move through us. And it's such an incredible challenge. You know, we've got to be way more intentional with moments and just lingering in moments. We just go from one thing to the next thing in life and we miss what God wants to do in a moment. I was incredibly challenged by this in Mother's Day this year, the school that our kids go to had this uh, special afternoon time where they would honour mums. And and so I went along with our two kids, Zion and Hope. I had Ezekiel as well. And we went round to all these different classrooms in the school where they'd set up activities for mums to do with their kids. And to be honest, I'm like, is this honouring or is this torture? Because you know how they notice they do these special things for mum? I'm like, this is like torture to me. It's things like glitter everywhere and crafts and, you know, making little necklaces where you just spend the whole time trying to get that flipping thread into that little buttonhole. I'm like, this is just stressing me out and causing me more panic. It's meant to be honouring me, but so not. And so... Anyway, I was in that zone and I'm like, kids, let's just get through this as quick as we possibly can because it's Friday afternoon and I just want to get home and hang out with each other. Really, I just want to get home and blob by myself. So I'm trying to get through these activities quickly and we're in one particular classroom and I just felt God say to me, I want you to linger. I'm like, I don't really want to linger, God. It's like, I want you to linger. So I'm like, okay. So I, I listened to him and just took time to linger. And I noticed in the corner, one of Zion's, our oldest son, his old teacher was there. And so I went over to her and we just started chatting. And I said, how are you doing? 
And she just burst out crying in the middle of the classroom, kids all around us. Just burst out crying and she's like, I'm really struggling. My mum just passed away and I'm just really struggling with it. I'm struggling with the whole concept of life and I'm just having a really hard time. And as we talked, you know, she, she said there was just something different about you today. She actually said to me, are you using something different on your skin? Because there's just this thing about you. I'm like, no, I'm not at all. But, but I was able to say, you know what? That's just God wanting to meet you today. Because he actually asked me to linger. And he's wanting to meet you today. And he's, he's wanting you to know that you're not alone in what you're facing. That he sees every tear that you've cried. He sees everything that's going on in your heartache. And he's the God that wants to meet you there. And I was just able to have this incredible moment with her. And I went away from going away from that going, man, God, just how many moments do we miss because we don't linger? And as I was driving home with the kids, I just felt God say, you know what? I want you to go and get her a Bible and a candle. And so I went and got those things and then I got busy with other things, to be honest, and they were just on my kitchen bench. And it came to the end of the week, and I felt God say on the Friday, I want you to give them to her today. So I was like, all right, I got Zion. I'm like, Zion, I want you to take these things into your teacher. He's like, I ain't doing that, Mum. I'm like, yes, you are, son. And so we had this little bit of a moment where I was like, you will do as you're told, boy. And uh, so he takes, <laughs> you know, the mama bear comes out. And he takes, he takes them into his teacher, his old teacher. And then she sends me this email at the end of the day. She says, dearest Nadia, I just wanted to say a big thank you for your beautiful gift. It truly made my day. I've been thinking about reading the Bible as I've been questioning God. Now I have a beautiful coffee to read every night. Thank you for your lovely words. Knowing you're praying for me means a lot. As I'm writing this email, your lovely candle is shining a bright light next to the photograph of my mum. It's funny how God works in mysterious ways. Today marks three months that we lost our beautiful mama. Receiving your gift lifted my spirits. So thank you. How amazing is that? <clears throat> Just listening to God's prompt, listening to that lingering. And, you know, to be honest with you, I'm, that's so not me, evangelists going out and meeting people. That's so not me at all. I would often hear stories like that of preachers talking like that, you know, especially people beside people on planes and having amazing conversations. I'd be like, I so could not do that. But it's as simple as being there for people, just lingering. No, the greatest thing I've discovered is that there is such power in just listening. So often in our interaction with people that do not know Jesus, we freak out about what we're going to say. We freak out about needing to have all the answers and say the right things. But I've found that the, the most powerful thing we have is just the ability of listening to people. Proverbs 18 verse 14 says this, answering before listening is both stupid and rude. Don't you love the Bible? Just black and white. It's just stupid and rude. And so often with our interaction with people that don't know Jesus, we're like that. We just want to dump the truth on people because that's our mission and this is what I need to do because God told me. So I'm just going to dump God's truth on you and leave it with you. We're just gotta, we've got to be there for people. We've got to be prepared to do the journey with people, to listen, to be present enough for them to be able to be real with us. Are we listening? Do we have an ear 
that is tuned to what people are walking through? Do we have an ear that's tuned to the cry of humanity all around us? Or have we just got used to it? That's amazing with our little boy Ezekiel. As a mama, your ear is tuned to their cry. In the middle of the night, I will wake up like that if our son cries. But Craig next to me, <laughs> snores away. And then in the, in the morning, I'm like, man, Ezekiel was up quite a bit last night. He's like, was he? I didn't hear him at all. Anybody else with me? Husbands just do not hear. I'm like, that's a tuned ear right there to not hear. You know, we can be like that with the cries of people all around us. We can just tune them out because we just get so used to them. We've got to, like a mama, we've got to tune our ear to the cries of people all around us. Be sensitive to what's going on. Come on, we just think, we just get so wrapped up in our world that we forget what other people are going through. Or would we take time to listen? And again, we can just so stress out about having all the right things to say, but I've found the most effective way to reach people is reaching people's heart. And one of the mums that I'm connecting with a lot at school at the moment, she is an incredible woman. She is incredibly successful. And to be honest, when I first met her, our sons were best mates. When I first met her, I was quite intimidated by her. She was on the school board. She was all these things, very intimidated by her. But as I've got to know her, she's just started to let her walls down. And we were chatting a little while ago at the park and she just started to open up about all the stuff. She was just bawling her eyes out with me in this park, just sharing a lot of stuff that's going on. And to be honest, in those moments, I'm just like, Jesus, I don't have anything to offer her right now. I cannot relate to what she's going through. But what I can do is I can listen. And so I just sit there, I'm just a, a, a listening board for her. And at the end of that conversation, I just, I said to her, you know, have you ever actually taken a moment to pray about this stuff? And she's like, yeah, I've, I've wondered about doing that. She's like, sometimes I think, you know, do I pray to an angel? Do I have to pray to Mary? And in that moment, I'm just able to just say, hey, you know, you can actually pray straight to Jesus. He sees everything that you're going through. And just in this moment, it's this heart connection that takes place. I'm not coming in with this theology and this is what Scripture says. No, it's this heart connection. And we can get so caught up in having the right answers that we miss that heart engagement. We want to do everything we can to engage heart with people. I love what 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Just share your journey. Share what Jesus has done for you. We don't need to have, again, all the right answers, the whole thing lined up. Just share who Jesus is to you. I love Charles Spurgeon and what he says. Let eloquence be flung to the dogs rather than souls be lost. What we want is to win souls. They are not won by flowery speeches. I love that. They're not won by flowery speeches. So the question I'd love us to ask ourselves, are we being present enough with people to get to the point of realness? Are we lingering? Are we taking time for people? And the last thing in bursting the bubble is what got to prioritise my part 
and then trust His part. Prioritise my part and then trust His part. Matthew 5 verse 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Again, we don't need to overcomplicate it. It's just about doing good works. Our part is showing people, revealing to people who Jesus is. I love it. Zion, still remember it so clearly. Zion one day coming home from school and it was when he was in his first year of primary school and he came home one day and he said to both Craig and I, and it just baffled him. He was just like, do you, do you realise that not everyone believes in God? Like, said, like some of my friends, they do not believe in God. And he's like, why? Why would that be? And I remember Craig's answer to him and he said, well, buddy, it's because they don't know how good he is. But the cool thing is we get to show them how good our God is. And you know what? That's exactly what it comes back to, exactly what it comes down to, us revealing to others how good our God is. Us revealing His love. 1 John 4 verse 16 says, And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. God is love. So how do we reveal God to others? We show them His love. Are we being intentional with loving others? And love is active. It's not passive. And again, I have to challenge myself about this all the time. But getting out of my bubble and loving people. Come on, on my street, <clears throat> the neighbours that are all around me. One of our neighbours on our street, their little girl has leukaemia at the moment. She's in the same class as I in school. And so when we found out about it, we just went down with a little care package, whole heap of colouring in books and pencils and dropped them off to her. And we were able just to connect with the family around that. When we go to the park, we just drop in and see whether they want to come with us because she's just at home at the moment with no other friends. Love is so simple. We so overcomplicate it, but it's just getting out of our bubble and loving people. And it's uh, neighbours that we have right across from us. There is massive stuff going on in people's lives. If we would just take the time to look. You know this, this family, they lost their daughter, 21-year-old daughter, to suicide a few years ago. They were the ones that found her. So every Mother's Day, I know it's hard for her, and we just go and give her a bunch of flowers just to show God's love. They know we're pastors. They know we're Christians. Just taking those moments to love people. There are people all around us who are desperate. Come on, suicide is so high today. There are people around you and your world that need you. They need you to reveal the love of God to them. It is our greatest joy and our greatest responsibility. Are we seeing people? Are we seeing the cry of people all around us? I love what Billy Graham says. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge. It's my job to love. It's my job to love. 
when we are in our bubble, it is so easy to judge others. So easy to judge rather than love. I remember when before our kids were born and you know I was in my bubble of independence and freedom and having a life, you know, all those things. And I remember looking at people that didn't have kids, uh, sorry, looking at people that had kids that would use like a leash on them, on their kids. And I would, I remember looking at that and going, how could people do that? Like, how could you treat your child like a dog and have a leash on them? Like, seriously, why? And I remember being so judgmental in my little bubble of not having kids and not having that worry and stress at all. But who knows, as soon as your own kids come along, I'm like, those leashes, they are the greatest invention ever. Like they are created, like God downloaded that idea to somebody and then He just released it because they are incredible. It's amazing when you're in your own little bubble, how easy it is to judge others. When we're in our bubble, it's so easy to judge people all around us. You know, comments like this that we say to ourselves, oh, they're not ready for God. They would never accept Jesus. They're they're too far gone. We've got to get out of our bubble and reach people. Now, our family story of knowing Jesus is because of the power of somebody getting out of their bubble. Because when we do our part, it's amazing what God can do. Now, we've got to trust God's part. We can so easily try and force ourselves on others, try and force our agenda and reaching people. And we get, we get so tired with the process sometimes. Like people aren't coming to us to church and we've invited them like five times and so we can just end up just, okay, they're in the too hard basket. But we've got to be patient with people. Keep persistent with people. Come on through prayer. Through love. How often are we praying, praying for people around us that don't know, don't know God? How often are we doing that? We've got to reach people. If I can have the keys up, please, that'd be awesome. But our family's story, like I said, my grandma grew up in the 1940s, 1950s. And it was in a time where everything was very proper. She was from a very well-respected family in the community. She was studying to be a midwife and had her entire life ahead of her. But one night at a party, she was raped at that party. And as a product of that rape, my dad was born. And obviously in those days, nobody talked about anything like that whatsoever. The man that raped my grandma was a married man with four kids. So he just wanted nothing to do with her. And my grandma was ostracized by everybody around her. Everybody closed their doors to her. My dad grew up being called a scum being again just rejected by everybody. He was the kid that all the other parents told their kids, do not play with him, do not associate with him. He was just known as a scum. At school, he had no friends whatsoever. He would just be alone every interval, every lunchtime, just hitting a tennis ball with a racket against a wall. The first compliment he said he ever got was a teacher walking past and saying to him, Mark, you're going to be a great tennis player one day because he was getting so much practice in. And in the middle of their story, my grandma and dad's story, there was a little boy that befriended dad. 
He was a little eight-year-old boy. And one day he invited him home to his house for milk and cookies. And they were hanging out, playing together. And the mum of that family was really kind to Dad. Her name was Lillian Gore. And Dad says she still, he still remembers her kindness to him. And she would allow the boys to play together. And, and one day she said to Dad, you know what, Mark? I'd love to meet your mum. So Dad took her by the hand and they walked down the street together to where Grandma was, knocked on the front door and Grandma came to meet this lady, Lillian. And this incredible lady got out of her bubble, got out of her world and took time to meet my grandma and love my grandma. She then invited grandma around for dinner and dad still remembers just playing in the lounge room with her three little boys. And he remembers grandma and this lady, Lillian, talking about Jesus. And this lady introduced my grandma to Jesus. And they walked home that night, dad and grandma together. Dad remembers looking up to grandma. She said, Mark, all my sins are forgiven. I'm a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And because of that lady, Lillian Gore, that loved my grandma, that told my grandma about Jesus, the generations have forever been impacted because she got out of her bubble. I wonder today if we would hear the heart of Jesus and his love for people that are all around us. And we would get out of our bubble and we would see people like my grandma who were just so desperate. Desperate for hope. Desperate for somebody to meet them. Would our heart break for people? That we wouldn't see our relationship with Jesus as just the bringer of the hope we need and the freedom that we need. But that we would live our lives before him and go, God, not my will, but yours. I want to live for you and you alone. I want to hear your whisper of when to linger, of when to love somebody, of when to choose just to take the moments that matter and reach people. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 